hi lads. Hello listeners. Uh, you listen to the Football Annie podcast available on SoundCloud, YouTube and iTunes. Uh, I'm Michael Statham. Um, we're here to talk about uh, the Dutch national team tonight. The title race, you know, the Rizzi. Um, we're with Michael Bell, the editor, as well as writers James and Chaka. Um, right, so what do you guys make of the national team selection then? inclusion of Dallone but I think um, it just needs a more expen- uh, experienced CDM next to Stoltman because he's he's great Stoltman but I just think he needs that uh, CDM next to him and looking at the squad like I think Daily Blink could do a job there but uh, again Blint's only called up six defenders in his team um, you can see why because Veltman is a right back centre back and such but I'm surprised about the lack of inclusion of Nathan Ake myself because he's had a very good season. He's not playing at Chelsea at the moment, but I think it was unfair not to call him up, especially because he is also versatile. I, uh, I agree with you on your point of Nathan Ake, but I also think that Blind won't have been paying attention to him, personally. Mm. I think with uh, Martin Delone, I would be surprised if, he's not, if he doesn't feature in the game against Italy in the friendly. But I, I don't, I can't see Dillon starting in, in the away matching in Bulgaria. But I, I think, I think players like Tornstra and Dillon, uh, they may very well, and maybe even Wesley Hood, 
they may even they, they may well go feature they may well feature it um, in the friendly match against Italy. I'd be surprised if if none of them was to feature in that game. Yeah, I mean, I think we need to take into consideration that this is only a professional squad as well, um, and ten days only in the final one. And I think a lot of these players will get cut, and I think some may get added as well. I think Gwen said today he was waiting on the fitness of a few players, um, in particular Wesley Schneider, who I think is going to be phased out over the next you know, few months. I think for big games he adds a bit of experience, but is he playing as well as you know, the David Classens, the David Proppers? At the moment, the Wayne Adams, you would say no. Um, but I agree with you, I think Nathan Ake, if he was at Bournemouth right now, he'd be in an Everton squad, I mm. think. Him going back to Chelsea is kind of stunted him right now. I mean, he's not even in the squad for games. I think if he was playing week in, week out for Bournemouth, getting the same press he was getting back um, back into January, then he'd definitely be in the squad. And Terence Congo as well, I think that's a very strange decision, especially since I agree. Wentz's selection seems to be versatile. He wants players that can play in one or two positions. Um, Congo could be the centre defence, left back. You could even make a case from even going into midfield. Um, again, <clears throat> I mentioned it last week, but Patrick Van Aan, I hope, doing very well at Crystal Palace, not in the squad. Eric Peters doing very well at Stoke, not in the squad. Um, and our players doing very well. Um, Elliot Feyenoord, not in the squad, but um, Stephen Berghus is. Um, he's not performing at the same level as Elliot. So I think there is some strange decisions by Blind, but... Um, I think it's a case of waiting to see what his final squad is as well. Yeah. To be fair, Burkhouse is more of a right winger and Ellie is more of a left winger. So if I guess for the selection, it is adds more balance. But the one for me is Leroy Fair. What? How is he getting into the squad when perhaps another left back could be called up, such as Van Arnholt, and Blink could be pushed into midfield if that if he's needed there. I think that's more of a better option because Fair just seems to be making up the numbers every ting- single time he gets called up to the squad ever since the World Cup in 2014. I think there's a few that are making up numbers in the squad. Um, I would say Bill Hayna is another one. I think, I think he'll be dropped. Ranzoar as well. I think he'll eventually be dropped mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, the lack of defenders is a strange one for me. And it seems to indicate mm-hmm. that maybe Blaine doesn't actually know what his final squad's going to be at the moment. He just put this provisional squad out while he's thinking about it. Uh, I actually, when I saw the lack of defenders, I actually got a little scared because <laughs> I thought he was going to try a back three again. And mm. uh, I think he's tried it. He tried it against Wales in, in Cardiff. He tried it against Belgium. And it, it didn't really work in either of those games. And because I think it was some, the differences of the wing-backs not knowing where to be, the midfielders not knowing how to protect their defence, the passing was disjointed and I think it's it's really um, confusing some of his uh, selections and it's weird because you get excited with when you see the under 21 squad and you, you don't you just kind of think same old, same old when you see the the Netherlands squad. The the final squad is due to be announced on the seventeenth of March. By the way, I was I'm also I've also been sort of uh, Jeffrey Hawaleu. He's been out with a back injury for the last two games. Uh, I said I said I would have a look at him last week. I think if he. I think Ben should be watching him if he gets fit in time. Um, Bruma was also a shame, even though he hasn't had the season he want uh, he wanted. Especially now, Yonkers now at Wolfsburg, and he 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 started Bazo and Bruma this weekend after they they had been out of the starting lineup for the last few weeks. So I think probably watching Bazo's progressions. Uh, in the next few weeks and at Wolfsburg under Yonka will be interesting. I have to say, um, a second what you say about the under-21 squad as well, um, I think it does look 
stronger than it has maybe in the past few years. I think there's a lot of talent coming through into that squad, um, and a lot of exciting talent, um, especially the Ajax boys. You know, Frank, Frankie De Jong, um, Adelaide like Nuri, and Donny Van de Beek. I think another qualifying for the under 21s is going to be pretty exciting this year. And they've got England in the qualifying group, so that'll be interesting to see how they get on against you know some of the young Premier League stars of the future as well. Yeah, and you also have some of the Eredivisie regulars like Jerry's and Jukes, who, who I think yeah, is a top defender. And he can also he he's also played in defensive midfield. And I think it's just really well-rounded, even though it's also a provisional squad. And, you know, he, he, Art Langler, he's really picked some of the best young talent. He hasn't favoured the PSV boys because, you know, he's also he also works at, as PSV's head of youth. And I, I think I'm really excited to see that team, but I think how many... Uh, under twenty one or under nineteen teams have have been had really good teams, but have failed to progress and through the qualifying stages or group stages of these youth tournaments, like in the summer with the under nineteens at the under nineteen euros, that was a really talented squad, and they didn't they didn't progress past the group stage. Added to what Michael said um, about Congolo, uh, he wasn't he's not in the. Um, senior selection, but why wasn't he named in the under twenty one selection as well? I, I, personally, I, w- I would be interested to see how the uh, young Oranje squad is nurtured over time because uh, Shaka is correct and Art Langlo was um, his head of youth at uh, PSV, but before that he managed Bex Waller, I think, in their debut season in the Eredivisie, and they managed to uh, survive without any difficulty at all. They wasn't playing fantastic football, but they were consistent and, uh, and regularly won enough games to, to be able to survive without any problems but after that people thought he might push on for maybe another season but then he decided to uh, resign and uh, take up the post at PSV so as I mean the squad is no doubt full of talent but I'm just interested from a manager's point of view how Art Langer is going to nurture that over time. Who would you guys have as your centre-back pairing against Bulgaria? Um, I would go for Stefan de Fly and Bruno Martinsini. I would go for De Vrij and Wesley Hood because they've been a centre-back partnership at Lazio uh, and Lazio have done well in the Italian league this season. And I would just go there for, because I think n- none of the centre-back options have that real sense of familiarity and I would just go for the familiarity factor because I think we've learnt over the past few months with the many centre-back duels that have been tried is you know two good centre-backs don't really make a good centre-back duel so I think I would just go for Hood and DeVry for the familiarity. I definitely agree with Shaka on that one as well and um, I think Bulgaria are going to be a very physical side and I think you know a lot of balls are going to be put in the box and I think a centre-back pair that know each other and know their game well um, is definitely needed I think I don't know if Blend will actually go with that though um, my worry is that he places Daily Blend in the middle um, which would maybe be a disaster given that he's not played there basically all season um, so far but I hope it's good and different just for that familiarity in the aerial um, I think it'll be an aerial bombardment from Bulgaria, I think. Yeah, and Hood is very good in the air. And who would be your sort of front three as well? I know we discussed a bit last week, but I think, uh, for me, personally, I think Bastos has got to start because when um, the Netherlands played against Sweden, he came off the bench and should have scored the winner. I think he was unlucky with one and another one was disallowed as well. Yeah, one hit the bar, I think, and one was disallowed. And that, that sort of aerial threat is I think will be important and sort of beat people get their own kind of game and get them in the air a bit I think I think as well he's also I believe Bastos is uh, currently top scorer in Portugal and he must be full of confidence as well especially playing mm. so well at club level and he would uh, he would take that into the game so I would definitely start him especially in the game against Bulgaria 
and uh, Ion and Robin is also being included in the, in the squad. And you saw yesterday in the game against Arsenal how uh, how influential he was. Um, so I think that's going to be very important. And um, I just think the most important for, thing for the Netherlands in this game is is to win by hook and by or by crook. Mm. They they know that they're, they're fighting together with Bulgaria and Sweden for the playoff spot. And um, I just think they need to go with uh, with selecting the best team in order to get to get the result because I, I don't believe that a draw in Sofia will be uh, will be of any use to him. I agree. Um, but one worrying comment from um, Blend, I guess today he said to the Answer on website um, that his selections are based on quality, um, not necessarily game time. Hmm. Um, when he was talking about basically mentioned that he could not play for Manchester United and Tottenham he actually specifically said those two teams um, but he still weren't uh, caught because of the players that you're training with and the quality um, that seems to be an indication that you know, on his son Daly and Vincent Janssen that's why they're included and I think um, Janssen is still his favourite number nine um, I think Bastos definitely deserves his chance and he's the most confident um, but whether Blind actually goes with that is another another question. But on the wing, I think Arjen Robin comes straight into the side. And for the left wing, you know Memphis is looking good in France, so I think he takes the other spot. Yeah, I, I would go with Michaels. I would go Dust up front. He's your form striker. Uh, Robin and Depay. Uh, but you also don't want a Robin-centric team which has been like the Dutch norm whenever Robin has played. It seems to be like, give it to Iron and Hope. And um, Depay, he's, he's got the rhythm of some games. He's got a, a bit more confidence. I'd like to see how that works for the Dutch national team squad, especially against Italy, because I think in, his, in the PSV season, his last PSV season where he was so good, you remember the game against... Um, Spain, where he act, he absolutely tore Carvajal a new one, and um, you would hope to see that. You hope to see that, and but I think the main concern is probably the midfield, and because I think that's where he's probably got the most options, and that's where he probably makes the wrong mistakes, playing players in the wrong role, and. Um, It'll be interesting to see which three he picks from all of his choices, especially, you know, Klaassen's having the season of his life and things like that, and to see whether, whether he can break in or Wijnaldum or, you know, Strudman, Popper, you know, all these options. Do you think that Ryan Babel deserves to be called up to the squad again? It's one of the questions we had him. I think, considering he's had such a nomadic career... I think um, I think it's highly unlikely that you would you would ever be called up, and I, I think I, I think as well you, you've got you've also got to look to the future. The you know the, the young players coming in and, and 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 a relatively reasonable squad of quality players to pick from. Um, I go back to what I said last time in, in the pod in the last pod that I think um, only when the Dutch national team get a, a solid manager who can mould a team. A la Koeman, uh, then they might be able to make some progress in the future. But I can't see uh, I can't see Babu uh, returning to the national fold at all. Yeah, I think uh, I, I agree what James says about his nomadic career, and I think Michael also feels this way that we. I think it, it was kind of a wrong decision to move from Spain because he was getting the goals, he was getting the confidence, and I think he should have just saw the season out before making the next move because I think he, he was a free agent now he's, he's gonna play for two clubs in one season and he looked to be getting back in a league where he had more eyes on him and he could have been within Danny Blind's scope now I think I, I think you, you I think with with players like Quincy Promise who who's warranted a place for the last two seasons and he's he scored that brace in Rotterdam and I think with players like that I think you 
you can't necessarily call them up with all the options that they already have. I agree that there's definitely better options. Um, if Elia can't get into the team, then you know, Ryan Barber's got no chance. I think if he went to Turkey and you know hit the ground running and was on fire and he was scoring goals and assists like Jeremy Lons is for um, for Fenerbahce, then yes, you could warrant a call. But he's not. I think he scored one goal so far. Um, you know, whenever I look into his games, it's not as if he's performed outstandingly well. So I, he's not warranted a call up since he's moved to Turkey. Pre-Turkey, when he was playing for Deportivo, scoring goals, you know, we can make out assisting being important, then maybe, but not right now. And who would you have in goal as well? Because there's um, there's four options at the moment. It's only provisional. Um, Celesa, Kuro, uh Zut, and Vaughan. I think you're looking between Celestin and Zut here. Um, but do you go with Barcelona's second-choice goalkeeper or a goalkeeper that's just made a huge mistake in a huge game in the Netherlands? Because for me, personally, I'd probably pick uh, Celestin because he's a more solid goalkeeper all round. What about you guys? I personally would go with Jeroen Zut rather than Celestin. I think uh, Celestin... When he's played, for example, Copa del Rey games or maybe a dead rubber in the Champions League group phase, and uh, he's on the bench tonight against Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, Suit has been playing regularly for PSV Eindhoven. Yes, he did make a mistake against finals, but he also had a he had um, in the Champions League in a, in a difficult group against Atletico Madrid and, and Bayern Munich. He made some good saves along the way. So personally, I would choose Suit. I think I would also choose Suit. I think this is a goalkeeper that uh, Koke, the Atletico Madrid midfielder, d- described as a problem after he, ke- he kept a clean sheet for 120 minutes against them last season. I think the I think the best spell of form last season in the sort of May to June July period for the Dutch national team, he was in goal, um, and he make and he make he he makes some crucial saves. Even though Rhoda didn't tr- trouble him much this weekend, he still got a clean sheet after that big mistake. And I think he's—I think his ability as a sh- shot stopper, I think, is very, very crucial. It's a bit—it's proved very crucial for Coco and PSV, and I think it could also prove crucial for um, the Dutch national team. Yeah, I agree. Um, for me as well, it's just a case of. You know, it's a must-win game in Bulgaria. You need to pick the players that are, you know, the most confident. And I think that is even though he made the mistake, um, he is usually a, a reliable goalkeeper. Um, I think he's had a couple of chances in everyone so far. Um, he's not done, you know, the best. And I think that's why Stecklenburg came in. But I think he deserves another chance. And I think against Bulgaria, I think with the aerial threat they're posing. Um, ruggedness of their team I think somebody as confident can come claim crosses and everything um, it's important I think because it's the man for the job um, Turning our attention to the game uh, which is tomorrow at the moment time of recording uh, Copenhagen against Ajax um, what are your predictions for the game? I can see Copenhagen winning by maybe 1-0 or 2-1 uh, one of the impressive things about Copenhagen at home this season is they're yet to concede a goal in European competition in uh, preliminaries for the Champions League, Europa League and um, they're just very, very strong at home and I, I think Ajax will go through but I think I think they'll go through by uh, by winning the home leg. I just think it's a difficult um, it's a difficult away day for Ajax and it's against a team that hasn't considered a goal in European uh, European competition and um, uh, my prediction is that Copenhagen will win one nil. Copenhagen are a very experienced side and got a lot of experienced players and they're very physical uh, um, I think Ajax defensively might struggle to deal with this especially with Felix Sanchez and you know, Veltman at right back is going to be Tete and it's going to be he's already announced that De Ligt is starting as well um, I think Stan a 17 year old um against Copenhagen might be difficult for him, but um, I can't see Ajax coming away with a win. 
best they can hope for, I think, is an away goal and a narrow loss or a draw. I think, though, that you know, Casper Dolberg getting left out of the Danish national team today, um, I think mean, he's got a little point to prove, and I think he'll be very motivated to do well in front of you know the national team bosses. Definitely will be watching tomorrow. I think uh, so. Uh, Peter Buzz, he he played Dillard and Tete for two games in the group stage against Panathinaikos and away to Standard Liège. Uh, whether that sort of helps them acclimatise early against uh, Copenhagen, uh, I think we'll find out. But um, I think um, you want Ajax to go for the uh, to not concede first, but you also don't want them to leave themselves too much work to do as they did against Legia because uh, you want an early goal uh, an away goal preferably to take back home so I think 1-1 uh, uh, or 2-2 two, two, I think a definite draw a score draw yeah the away goal is going to be key um, but I I can't see them sort of holding out against Copenhagen especially with that uh, I guess an inexperienced defence it's going to be quite physical as well because Cornelius is a threat in the air for sure, um, and they've got just got a lot of threat around him. And if they're not going to concede, then it's going to be a very tricky game. Um, but I can see it uh, affecting their their title run as well. Uh, which which do they concentrate on? It's it's difficult to say both with I guess just a small squad and very young as well with fitness levels. They they are generally very high for a Peter Bosch side, but. Um, I mean, it, it might well have an effect, especially at the weekend. They, they face Twente. Very tricky game. I um, I think um, the game against Twente is, is going to be a, a lot difficult than what they considering. They managed to um, do um, gain ground on Ajax on the final, sorry, only uh, only by a point with the games from last weekend. I think they will be prioritising. The title running to go to push final as, as far as possible. I think if I think if they do make progress in the Europa League, of, which is Peter Boss has been questioned by the Dutch press on a few occasions as to whether he thinks his side could win the Europa League. It was like more of a, a hypothetical question, but he, he appeared to be full of confidence that he believed they could. But um, I think every round they get through in Europe is, would be perceived as a bonus for them, and I think they would be uh, prioritising to push final as, much, as far as they can in the title race. Uh, I, th- I, I think uh, they want to prioritise um, the league, but I think it will. Um, last season, uh, you know, uh, De Boer and. Um, and uh, Van der Sar, uh, they said that they would they were targeting the semi-finals last season, and I feel that I think they was they also would like a deep run in the Europa League, especially sort of you know when you've got players like um, Klaassen and um, and Veltman who you are ready to sell, so. You would like to drive the price for them as high as you can, and that good Europa League performances could drive the price higher for those players. And the uh, Football International wrote about sort of how Ajax are striving and Marco Vermaas are striving to move up a level and try to be more like FC Porto. And I think you need you need a, a sort of good um, runs in Europe. To be to be like that, and I think that that's what I actually try to do, especially with the coefficient the way it is. Yeah, definitely. I think the coefficient is a big focus for, for clubs, and you know, I think Dutch football needs Ajax to go far. And um, looking at the competition and the teams that are actually left in it, if Ajax can get past Copenhagen, then get a good draw in the next round. It's not inconceivable that they meet. Reach to the semi-finals or the quarter-finals. I mean, some teams left in it aren't the strongest. I don't think the competition is as strong as it has been in recent years. Um, I think you've got, you know, Man United still in it. You've got Roma. You've got Leon. They're both playing each other. 
a shout-out, but then you've still got some teams that Ajax can look at and be like, we can beat them. You know, the Andoex, the Nicosias, you know, um, Celta Vigo are still in it. They beat them in the group stages. The Ghent, Genk, Olympiacos, these are all teams that I actually look at and saying that this is our level. We can beat these teams. And, you know, I think they'll raise their game against Copenhagen. And if you can get through on the home leg, score some goals, you know, the competition is wide open. I totally agree uh, with you, Michael, there. To... Go ahead, Chaka. As, as Michael was saying, with the teams left in the competition, um, there, there are a lot of beatable teams there. But they've, they're probably going to look at the league and they're going to look at finals, especially after that defeat against Sparta, and think, we can catch them. Um, especially with this season being perhaps the last season for the Netherlands to have that guaranteed Champions League spot um, in the group stages. And that they'll look at final want to catch them up, especially this season, for me. I think considering who final play in the coming weeks against Azad Alakmar and Hiram Fein and Go Ahead and even against Excelsior Rotterdam, I think they've taken heart from the fact that everybody anticipated the final would uh, would completely uh, walk over Sparta, and uh, that was a surprise when Sparta won. And um, I, as I said in the last last pod, I can see them dropping dropping more points over the course of the next maybe three to four games. So I, I, I think they will prioritise the league title, but as you say, I agree, uh, Michael, they'll be, um, they'll be fully motivated because this is the last, um, could very well be the last season where a Dutch team directly goes into the group stages of the Champions League. Yeah, I was looking at the running today for um, the top three sides, and I do actually think that Ajax have probably the easiest of you know, the top three teams. Um, they got fire out at home, and their most difficult game after that is PSV away. Um, if they beat fire out at home, then I think you know the title is in their hands. Um, so I think the league is a priority, but I think a Dutch team isn't going to have this chance again in the next few years. I don't think to go so far in a European competition. And um, looking at teams that are left, and I think Ajax really need to go for it just to raise the prestige as well. Um, I'll be really disappointed if. They don't prioritise these games, and they, you know, they don't give it their all against Copenhagen tomorrow, and then you know, they don't give all in a home game because for Dutch football, this could be a, a massive um, incentive for them to go through into the you know the quarterfinals, semi-finals, and I think a lot has been written about Dutch football recently that's you know it's in decline. And I think Ajax going to the last stages of a major competition would. Just give it the boost that it definitely needs at the moment. Yeah, the win over for Feyenoord over Man United was also like a massive fillip for Dutch football, because um, it showed that they could sort of match up to the level of the big teams. Uh, but I think even though it's been the the best season for Dutch football in the last five years or so, um, if you look at the coefficient wise, um, it would be a shocking reality yet again for Dutch football fans if Ajax do get knocked out by Copenhagen, even though. They are. They have reached last sixteen already. It would be another massive disappointment if already Dutch interest was, was uh, ended. Yeah, I okay. think also, uh, also sort of PSV reaching the last sixteen and taking Atletico to the wire last season was also good for Dutch football. But um, I think it's 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 integral that they that they sort of you know focus on this Europa League and sort of try to get as far as they can because this is also a, I think one of the most talented group of players that they have and you, and I think you you won't keep them for long and I think they really need to sort of buckle down and try to really get as far as they can this season I think it's I'd like to echo the sentiments of Shaka really with uh, PSV pushing uh, Atletico last uh, 
season all the way uh, to a penalty, penalty shootout from reaching the quarterfinals of the Europa League. But I also think it's very, uh, it's been very refreshing for Ajax in particular and to, to go far in Europe. Because on, under the ball, they were always um, finding the level t- far too difficult in the Champions League. Always get, finishing third and then getting knocked out by Dinipro and uh, having, a, having a run. And Stoya Bukalest also in... Uh, uh, in previous seasons, so it's been really refreshing from a European level, from a European point of view, to see them drawn in a group of reasonable opponents with uh, Panathinaikos, Standard Liège, and Celta Vigo. For them to go on to top that group, for them to go on to um, to beat Legia of Warsaw, and to be in a position where they can, where they can very well reach the last eight. Uh, also, I, I wish uh, I would like to like hear the sentiments of. Johan Cruyff, I wish he was here to sort of write columns on on this on this uh, Ajax because it would have been interesting to hear his opinions. Because last year he, when PSV reached the uh, last 16, he, he he wrote about it being good, but he wrote about Dutch teams not having a particular style, and um, he said that you know you you would know that how Barcelona or Bayern Munich under Guardiola or um. Atletico Madrid were going to play if you saw them in a draw, but you wouldn't know how a Dutch team, and this Dutch team have played sort of his way, and they've sort of attacked and they've gotten far. So I would, I would have been interested to hear what he would have written. Looking ahead a little bit, um, I, I I expect Ajax to actually keep most of the squad they have now, because. Um, I think the three levers for there will be Traore, Klaassen and Veltman. But the rest of it, um, they're, they're all young players. I mean, Anana's only just come into goal. Dolberg is his first season in the Ajax team. Hakim Ziyech has only signed last summer. And uh, apart from that, I don't think many big teams are really going to be circling for too many other their players. And I think if they can keep that core together as well, have a really good season this season... They could be in for an even better season next season, especially for in the Champions League, um, whether that's finishing first or second. Yeah, I think it'd be for a better season if they add what they need, which is you know a bit of experience up front, and you know a lot of rumours are that Huntler is going to you know, return in the summer, and um, that gives them some extra because I think they're struggling right now with Dobrik's having you know, a little time now. He's not scoring very many goals, and Barcelona may have the option of. Replacing him with somebody that's you know, out centre forward, he put Traore there um, on some occasion. But I think next season with Dolberg being uh, central forward and Huntler playing backup, I mean, that strengthens their attack definitely for their division. There's also sort of been rumours about Sam Lawson and uh, Richard Seano Habs coming in that they were interested in bringing them in for the summer in January. And um, that would have been that that those will also be amazing deals because it gives Amin Yunus some competition on the left flank, which he hasn't had this season, and it'll also give you a solid left back choice to also give Delhi and Kirvin uh, competition. And uh, I think it's uh, I would also be worried about um, uh, and Sanchez. I know he just joined. But I think um, the clubs were interested. I think that was also it was also ruined by the fact that uh, Barca had looked at him for the B team, and I think in the first like three months, I think Mundo Deportivo were sort of reporting that they were having a look at him again. I think many other clubs will look will look at him, especially if centre backs start moving in the summer. Yeah, I I agree with Shaka. I would be very surprised if if, if, if a team did not come in for Davidson Sanchez. He's had a, uh, uh, particularly a few good performances this season. I think at home to uh, Swallow and they won five one. Um, he was here, there, and everywhere, and uh, other games throughout the season as well so far. So I would be surprised if Davidson Sanchez is still uh, an IX player this time next year. I had a question here um, from David who asks. Is there any hope for Adam Maher getting back into PSV's plans for next season? Um, I can't see that happening personally. 
he signed a five-year deal with PSV in 2013, and he's currently on loan at the Turkish club of Manly Sport. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing about my my hair that hasn't really been um, spoken about much is, although he's a very talented footballer, his attitude can be questioned. That's why Ajax never brought him. When he was when he left Arsenal uh, Alkmaar, when there was basically a, a shootout between Ajax and PSV as to who was going to um, gain his services, Ajax decided to uh, to hold back due to his uh, difficult attitude at times and being headstrong and um, and think always thinking that he's perhaps a little bit better than he actually is. So I I personally can't see him forcing him. Self back into the uh, into the PSV first team. I, I personally, I can't see that happen. Uh, he's. I think there's always been sort of glimmers of his talent, but he hasn't been able to keep it going for a sustainable period. Even on loan, he he performed well against Villarreal and, and even got an assist in that game. But and I think even his tackles and aerial duels, he's sort of. Uh, been improving them when he has got team time for us as man Lepo. and um, at PSV you can in the first title winning season he was a regular and you can even remember the game against Azad Alkmaar where he where he got he got two goals and his first goal where he I think he dribbles past everyone and 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 scores and, but when he was in the second title-winning season, when he was sort of given the uh, Jorginho Wijnaldum's number 10 shirt, I think Koku was probably thinking about playing him in his position, uh, sort of as a more attacking midfielder. But he sort of, he never he never sustained any form. He got injured, and once he got injured, then proper Guardado, Hendricks, and... and um, Van Hinkle in the second half of this of that season, he never got his place back in the team. But I do expect him to get a look in, in during the during the summer during the training camps because even uh, this season, uh, Koku took quite long to loan out Ritzmeyer. I don't know whether it was due to him not having many suitors or really wanting to get a good look at him. But I think uh, he he will probably get a get a look. A pro- uh, will probably get a proper look at at Maya during preseason. So I think that will be interesting to to see. While they, you know, you also expect them to lose Guardado, um, proper Zinchenko, and what you've got left is Ramsalah, Hendricks, and probably maybe a, a new signing or some or Rigo or someone to come in from the youth academy where uh, so there is there could be an opening for him in, in the summer if he sort of works hard to get it Shout out to actually at that game um, where he scored twice against AZ and I remember coming away thinking wow you know what player he is um, he's just not progressed over the next couple of years and even in Turkey you know the stats aren't good um, he's played 32 times this season you know, most of them from the bench he's scored twice he's given two assists you know, this isn't in the form of somebody that's not going to win every place back in a PSV side um, but I do think it does rely on what PSV do this summer they're going to probably lose proper Van Hinkle's not going to want to come back on the loan um, so that opens up two midfield spots and it just depends I think Shaq is right that he comes back in the summer, he puts his head down and works at it. Um, you know, he could impress Goku, but if he comes back and, as James said, if his attitude is not right, then you know, PSV really just need to look at you know, getting rid of him and saying that's it, yeah, your chance is gone and you know, moving on. Because I think Rigo is the next big thing coming out of Eindhoven and he, he needs his chance next season in the first team. Also with uh, Adam Mahe, you, you also have to remember he's still only 23 years of age. I mean, he, he broke into RZ in, in uh, 2010 and made over, I think, about over 50 appearances for them. Then he moved to PSV in 2013 and signed that five-year deal. And uh, I think um, I think he's, he's lost his way a little bit, 
possibly due to uh, to attitude and maybe overestimating himself. And um, I'd be very surprised if he manages to work his way back into the uh, to the uh, to the squad setup at PSV Eindhoven. Yeah, I think it really depends what uh, Philip Kaku does as well in the summer. Because I personally don't think he'll remain at the club for one reason or another. Barcelona were looking at him uh, as a manager. But um, I don't know where he, where he goes, really, with PS3 now. Because he's been there for a few years and where does he fancy go next? Um, but back to my hair. Uh, as Michael said, his stats aren't good in Turkey. That's mid-table Turkey. Can he step it up for PS3? Probably not. Where does he fit in? Because... He sees himself as a 10 and maybe PS3 do as well. For me, he's more of an 8 because he doesn't offer the sort of physicality that Wijnaldum did, for example, behind the striker, poacher's instinct kind of thing. Um, fits him more as an 8, but I don't think he's going to walk back into the PS3 squad this summer and suddenly suddenly become the new first choice number 8 after the season he's had just now because um, he won't be happy at all sitting on the bench for another season. Well, might be interesting. You know, in the summer, if he does decide to move, you know, if he moves abroad, then he might become a bit of a journeyman. But you know, a loan back to his head might be exactly what he needs. Um, it's a club that loves him, the fans love him, and it's a team that needs some strength in the midfield next summer. And I think Ademaya going back there might be the best thing for his career. Yeah, I, I, I actually don't know why that didn't happen this summer. Uh, it was it's a move that that makes a lot of sense, to be honest. Um, and you know, the the um, Van Overeem was was meant to go in January, and he just got his first start again uh, last weekend. So, and they, you know, they do need other midfielders, and I think it's it's a move that makes sense. But you know, for someone as talented and as highly rated as as Mahara at such a at such a young age, you just hope that he can find his feet somewhere at least. I think as, as well, to go back on your point, Michael, about Philip Koku, I think he'll have maybe one more season at PSV after this one. Because it's, it's difficult to know where he would go from, from PSV. And he's extremely well connected with the club as a player and also as a manager. And I, I, think, they're, um, I think they're looking at him long term. But I think with the possibility of uh, PSV not winning any trophies this year, I think it would be accepted by all parties that, re- that he receives another season to uh, to try and win the title back in Eindhoven. And maybe, on, depending on how that season goes, if it's uh, if it's a positive one for them, I can see him staying at uh, PSV for quite some time. And, and if not, then uh, then he may well leave. But I'll, I can definitely see Philippe Koku staying uh at least one more season in Eindhoven. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying, but everything just feels a bit stale around PSV this season uh, because it hasn't quite materialised to what fans are expecting in the Champions League and the league. And I think maybe if he did leave and players left and it was a massive changeover, it could really disturb the club. So maybe Kaku staying is what PSV ultimately needs. Yeah, especially in the short term, I think that's uh, that's absolutely correct. Uh, I agree with both of you, actually. But I think as a manager, you're, you're only as good as your last season. And um, Koku, I think uh, this season, things have gone stale. But last season, you know, you, he had you believing that this could be a really good manager because he was so he was so meticulous about his preparation, the, his tactical changes. You know, he was willing to tactically adapt to teams, whether it worked or whether it didn't. And this season, I think it's it's all gone stale because I think they've kept the playing staff that have sort of uh, rested on their laurels. But next season, I think a lot of things will be new. Though the there will a lot of players will be. Uh, I think there's a lot more. There will be a lot more younger and hungrier players. I think you've got Sam Lamas, you've got Rigo. I think they're trying to sort of coax Hendricks into. To staying for next season, telling him that he will be a major part and he will be the number six for next season, and I think he it it will be interesting from everyone's point of view from for him to stay uh, next season to really see what he can do as a coach. Can he re-inspire this team? Can he sort of tactically adapt and sort of sort of change this team the way it needs to be changed? And with 
which chunks does, does he use? And, and you know, I think that, that will be interesting to watch. And I think with him signing a new contract last season, I think it's, it's, it's in his best decision to stay or at least one more. Hmm. I think PSV um, gets a major overhaul in the summer. And it should have probably happened you know, last year. they got a lot of players that I don't think actually want to be there. Um, Jetro Williams is one he wants to move um, I think Proper's head may have got turned by Zenit um, I think Guardado as well um, he, his head was turned by going back to you know, Mexico to America I think those three head out in the summer um, maybe Arias as well I think he thinks he's a bit better than what he actually is um, and he'll get a move and I think new players will come in um, it'll be a hungrier PSV next season I think Kaku will have a better year. Um, um, I think with the crucial players like your Willems and your sort of De Jong, I think you look around at the market and you're like, if with the last seasons, will any team really want them? Because, you know, Willems this weekend, he put in his first good cross since NAC <laughs> last year. And he, he hasn't come back properly from the injury and I think he signed a new contract so he could have the option of staying because he, he hasn't really kicked on this season and he was he was substituted at halftime against Bayern Munich with Koku coming out and saying he wasn't substituted by in, because of injury or anything but because of the, his performance and he, he, I think De Jong, you've got Lammers there and you, you would like to bring through Lammers as soon as possible he I think he'll be nineteen twenty next season, so you'd like to you'd like to get him starting and get him acclimated to professional football as soon as possible. So, I, um, but the question is, w- would any team with De Jong's past in the in Germany and in England would any team be willing to take a risk on him, especially after this season? So I think you, you what what will happen is you see I think probably Arias. Villains, De Jong staying just because there's no real options for them. Be interesting to see what PSV do in the summer transfer market as well. I think one one piece of business which has been extremely underrated in my opinion is the is the buying of uh, Ramsalah from Utrecht for only seven million euros. I think that was an absolutely fantastic bit of business from PSV, uh, especially in terms of value for money. And I think we're very interesting to see what they do in the summer transfer market. Uh, I think I would like to talk about the race for Europe. I think that that's really that's really interesting. It was interesting last season, interesting this season because Utrecht are currently in fourth position, and you know with the way the the Europa League playoffs ended last season and how how the um, Ken V. Becker ended them for last ended for them last season. They were sort of the bridesmaid and always and never the bride last season. And this season, the, even with losing a player like Ramsala, they, they they've kicked on and the fourth. And you know, um, Giovanni players look great. Yasin Ayub, I think he's a player that you know he has the ability to do much better than he's already doing, but he's doing well. And Haller hasn't scored as prolifically as maybe projected, which could mean um, Utrecht keeping him for another season. So I think if you're looking for probably a strong team with a strong manager going into Europe next season, I think you, one should be looking at them. I must say about uh, FC Utrecht, the, um, the manager is one that's impressed me because my jury was very much still out on Eric Haag, having only been manager of uh, Go Ahead Eagles and being uh, the manager of the reserve team of Bayern Munich and I, I did not think that Utrecht would have a uh, uh, a good season in terms of finishing quite high up in the league so I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that they are where they are and I must say uh, and admit quite honestly that I, uh, I didn't expect them to be in this position with the manager they have so uh, with the group of players with Haller as well and Ayup is their creative playmaker they're doing ever so well yeah they've, they've got yeah. some very good players who today um, their forwards are their strongest point but um, I think Ten Hag has really made a difference in terms of defence because they're a very very solid team 
Um, the way he gets them organised as well. He's tried back three, back five, back four, but whatever he's done, it seems to have worked very well in being a very compact side. It's interesting with the con the, the tactics they do. Um, they push their wing backs up the field quite quite high up, and um, they almost play like a back three in that respect. And it helps with their style of play and get whipping uh, crosses into the box when there's always two strikers there, plus like a, a flood of midfielders. It's like they 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 load the one side of the pitch to try and get some balls in there and it, it does work for them very very well and it can stifle a lot of teams at home I think yeah they also have Zivkovic whose pace is really good uh, Barazit who, who can also sort of be uh, um, who's, who can sort of be foil for for um, for Ale. It's, it was a shame that they had to sell Rubin but he, but he couldn't get into the team and I think Last season, you sort of knew them for playing beautiful football. And this season, I think without Ramsala, who was so important in the in the in the holes and in the pockets for them, and going past Halle, uh, they sort of altered the style slightly to be more defensively resilient. And I think Ten Hag has also he's worked under Pep Guardiola at, at Bayern Munich as the by Munich uh, second team coach and he's also worked at PSV before so I think you talk about someone with uh, experience around big clubs and you know even if like we talked about Koku leaving since he's worked at PSV he should also be someone that they would look at for as Koku's replacement So would you guys fancy you to that for fourth place position? RZ, Vitesse, Twente? I think uh, Azed and Vitesse's heads might get a bit turned by the fact that they're yeah. in the and that might be you know the easy route to Europe. And um, I think Utrecht are definitely in pole position right now. Um, I think next season, next summer is going to be a big one for them because if they do get Europe, you know they need to try and keep hold of you know Haller, Trupe, Zevkovic go go back to Ajax. Um, so it's a big summer ahead for them. Who they get in, who they don't let leave. I mean Ayub needs to stay. And uh, the strengthening the side for Europe next season because I think out of all the teams that are in that sort of second tier of Dutch football, um, I think Utrecht were the one that would be most intrigued at seeing how they do in the Europa League next season under Ten Hag and their tactics against you know, some of the teams in that competition. Uh, you also sort of look at Azad and they've been so um, they've been so inconsistent this season and. You know, Van der Bom still doesn't know his best team, and they they score uh, they score early this weekend against Excelsior, and um, the, uh, they get another draw. And I think you expect I expect them to lose Jan Bach next next um, in the summer, so that's a big part of the squad gone, and um. They're going to have another season under Van der Brom, and it's just that um, that that inconsistency that really scares you about them. Because if they if Van der Brom can find a good team and really mold them in his image as a tactically adaptable side, it, they they could have a good season and they could be good in Europe, especially with the experience in Europe over the last few seasons. And Vitesse will lose Baker the summer and he's also a huge part of the side and you expect him to keep uh, Rakshika for another season and you know Van Hofswinkel to stay who's sort of who's shown in the past that he is a uh, in the past at Utrecht that he is a Europa League level striker and um, he, he I think he, the best I think uh, the best team that you're looking at for the Europa League is Utrecht because I think if they can keep their players and the manager then they can they can it will be interesting to see what they can do I agree I believe uh, FC Utrecht are definitely in pole position for the fourth place I think with I said their third draw in a row last weekend against Excelsior and it's their 11th draw of this season and as I mentioned in the last pod I personally think that the the board of RZ have been far too hasty in offering um, Van der Bellum a contract extension. I think they will um, 
I think they would have been wise to wait a little bit longer before conf- confirming that. And um, with the um, Clive Bay uh, Cup final on the 30th of April, I, I can see Vitesse winning the, uh, the Dutch Cup for the first time in that game. I can also see Vitesse winning that, actually. I think they've got the form, perhaps the, the, the mentality now as well. I always question Vitesse with their uh, mentality, but with Cassia as captain... Um, and players around that they seem very driven especially like because they got Bootner Dix is back and Van Vorswinkel up front they're all Vitesse uh, players at heart because that's where they originally came from um, and I think that will see them through against RZ it's just next season then because the winners will get uh, Europa League group stages uh, whether Vitesse can spend a little bit of money perhaps and strengthen because uh, as we all agree Vitesse may be the best side out of that group in the sub top to go to the Europa League, but if the tests do get do get into Europe as well, are they are they ready? Are they strong enough? I think I, I can see as they're scraping there can be, but I watched the semi final and I expected them to. Uh, no, I watched the quarter final against Herbin. I think it was the quarter final, was it? And they, they I expected them to lose, and they were dominant. They were dominant. Um, been were dominant, uh, but you know, as it scored. One, one header late in the game because they have this sort of tactic where they sort of put everybody in the six-yard box for a corner and, you know, it, it always goes to Lukasen at the back post. And I think the it's the sort of season where they won't perform more and they'll scrape that final. And I really see them scraping it and I think uh, Vitesse will, will sort of allow them to scrape it. I, uh, and I think by then um, it's, it will be interesting to see what kind of team that um, Van den Brom plays because he played he played um, Dos Santos this week this weekend he played um, uh, he played Van Over this season this uh, this weekend and I would like to see those two get get more games and I think if they do get more games it would mean that as it would have more creativity and more width and I think that that could ultimately change the season I think as well in the, with the uh, Dutch Cup final coming up Vitesse have the opportunity to win the Dutch Cup for the very first time and with experienced players such as um, Van Wolfswinkel and, and Dix and a, and a manager in Henk Flazer who's also uh, done very well I think with the euphoria of reaching the final and taking the chance to win it for the very first time. And the last time they reached the final was back in 1990. So it was a long, long time ago. And I've, I think that coupled with the, the sentiment and the occasion, I think that will see uh, that will see Vitesse over the line. I think in the summer, though, if Vitesse to reach Europe, um, needs to rely on more of their own players and want to move away from the Chelsea won't system. I mean, one or two is fine to get into the side, but you know, Vitesse actually have a group of young players of their own that are coming through who are very talented, um, and I want to see them get more more of a chance. Uh, you know, Van Bergen definitely next season needs yeah. to get a lot more playing time. There's a few defenders coming through as well. Um, so I think the club a few years ago were in a bad position, and that's why they turned to Chelsea. But I think if they get to Europe. You know, I think it's time to move away from that. Maybe one, two seasons okay, but you know, we don't go back to the you know five sixes of last year. Um, cause I don't think it helps them because the motivation wasn't there for some of the players. And um, luckily, Lewis Baker is very motivated um, to perform each week. But you know, a lot of them come to the Netherlands and didn't try very hard. Um, and I think if they come for their own youth system, use their own Vitesse players there. You know, more willing to succeed for them, I think. And there are also some, you know, you also like this sort of um, uh, element of the Eredivisie of some of the big clubs buying from some of the smaller clubs, and you'd also like to see them also, you know, see the actual business now and see who who can who can really improve their squad, especially when Baker does leave um, to go back to Chelsea in the summer. You would like to see how they would go about replacing them, and you know they've shown that they can make good good signings. Rashika, you're talking about 
him he was a tra- he he was there they they got him on trial at the beginning of last season and he ended up being their i think best player come the end of the season so i think they need they they as michael said they need to stop relying on the chelsea loan loan system and i think if you look at sort of the the crop of players that are currently playing at chelsea if you're looking at a team going looking to go into the Europa League, I think you're not you're not looking at many of the Chelsea youngsters to sort of come in and sort of help them. The the players that Chelsea would actually be willing to loan, and I think you're looking more of having sort of a group that's already played together this season under Hank Fraser, and um, sort of are willing to actually fight for the team, as Michael said. So, that's all for our podcast this week on Football Dania. Make sure to give us a like on SoundCloud and YouTube. Subscribe as well. Feel free to share our podcast on social media. And leave us a comment uh, and some feedback on our podcast this week or any questions you'd like us to answer next week. Thanks again for listening.